What's up, you guys? Week six here already of the drive to Dayton. We are into district tournament week for the boys. The girls have advanced on to the regionals. That means only 16 teams remain in each division in the girls. Um, Southwest Ohio has to throw everything off for the boys and not make it a clean 64 teams in each division because apparently they are always in a race to get done first. Um, but then they wait until Saturday to play their district final games in Division One. So, uh, again, I don't know what the rush is, but I'm sure there is some rationale to that. But we are in district week uh, for the boys. Gentlemen, fresh off of sectional week in Ohio. How are we feeling about things? Uh, feeling pretty good. Uh, district week is always uh, my favorite week of the season. I get to see a ton of high quality games in a, in a short amount of time. Uh, I believe I'll have games Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and potentially Sunday this week. So today may be my only day off on the road. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it, especially uh, Saturday's Columbus District Finals matchup. Yeah, I'm sure that will be a <clears throat> hot four tickets. Because <laughs> they ain't letting you in for one, and they sure aren't letting you in for two either. No. Roth, where will you be uh, stationed this week? Uh, so me and TJ are going to be at the same place on Tuesday. Um, okay. We're both going up to Toledo uh, to catch Toledo Whitmer versus Johns. Uh, then on Wednesday, I am north versus south. And then Thursday, um, I'm likely going to be staying in Athens uh, for the D4 um, district championships. And then Going to take Friday off Saturday, likely in Columbus for the D1 district championships, and then Sunday um, back in Athens for the D2 and D3 district championships. Busy week ahead for both of you gentlemen. Um, let's take a look back at last week. Um, any teams that jump out to you uh, from last week? Uh, I think we got to give a, a shout out to Cleveland Benedictine uh, with a, absolutely job with a huge upset win over Holy Name. Uh, they won 71 59. Uh, Benedictine was a team that both me and Roth saw early on in the year. I believe we saw them was that opening weekend uh, up in Baldwin Wallace for the Cleveland Basketball Classic. Um, and just to see, I haven't seen them since, but based on where they were at that first game of the season, they're picking up a really big win. It sounds like, you know, coach has got it rolling over there. Yeah, so that's a good one, man, Benedictine. How about you, Roth? Yeah, so so I got two uh, teams of the week. I went with teams that had two impressive wins this week. So my first one's going to be uh, Painesville-Riverside. Uh, I went and saw them get the victory at Dover in a battle of 20-win teams. Um, but they also beat, um, I believe it was Twinsburg in 
um, yeah, the first round at home. So Riverside gets two nice wins. Uh, and then my other team of the week is going to be Anderson. Uh, they're from the ECC. They got victories over the GCL South co-champion in LaSalle and also one of the top teams in the GMC in Mason. Um, Anderson, they play a lot of seniors uh, led by West Virginia football commit Chandler Starks. Um, but they got a couple of other guys who just sort of know how to play. I have a lot of experience, so they are my second team of the week. Yeah, those are two. I good. would say uh, uh, another team I kind of want to give a shout out to. Uh, they'll be playing Brexville in the district semis, and that's Lorraine. Uh, it's a team that I didn't necessarily pay to make it to this far, uh, but they picked up big wins over Copley. They won by 19, and then they they beat Wadsworth, I believe, in the opening round, uh, 63 to 54. Uh, so two good wins for Coach Killian. Um, great guy. Uh, coaches, you know, the kids play tremendously hard. Uh, and I feel like that's just kind of a staple of the, the Lorraine culture. But, yeah, just wanted to give a quick shout-out to Coach Killian over Lorraine. Yeah, another another good team. So Benedictine, Riverside, Anderson, and Lorraine. Um, I'm going to go with – and this was strictly because of, of – the, the occurrence of this, I'm going to go with the Caldwell Redskins. Their first sectional title in 19 years. Wow. Like, to me, that stat was mind-blowing considering, you know, kind of the way things are now. Sometimes you get like a, you know, a bye and you got to win one game to win the sectional, especially like in – now like with Division Four in the East District, a lot of times there's an even amount of teams, so – everybody's playing two games in the sectional, but still 19 seasons without a sectional championship, uh, especially considering, you know, Beattie's been a starter for all four years there, um, but they got a really good performance from Tice Duvall the other night. Um, I think he had around like 28 points and then Beattie had like 23 or 24, um, but they get out of sectional for the first time in 19 years. So uh, congratulations to coach Clint Crane and the Redskins for for doing that. How about that? That is kind of, that is kind of surprising, um, considering I, I believe Beatty had a he had an older brother uh, who was maybe a, a year or two older than yeah. him. That was his um, cousin. His cousin. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but I remember they they were making a lot of noise. I believe Beatty might have been a freshman at that time. His cousin may have been a sophomore or junior. Uh, so yeah, I'm kind of surprised by that. But uh, you know, shout out to them. How about our players um, of the week? Uh, the the first kid uh, off the top of my head that, that really came to mind when I was looking at this week's notes, uh, I would have to give a nod to Jesse Burris down at Delaware Hayes, uh, one of the most talented juniors in the state of Ohio. Uh, he had a career-high 34 points uh, in a, in a three-point win over Reynoldsburg. Uh, and, yeah, I saw some of the highlights from that game. And, I mean, it's rather impressive. Uh, he's a kid who made a tremendous jump from freshman year to sophomore year, uh, and his stock is, is on the rise. Uh, he's a kid who continues to get better, and I like the fact that he plays with, like, a sense of toughness to him. Uh, you know, he's a quiet kid, but, man, he gets it done. Uh, he shoots it. I, I hate to say it, but he's sneaky athletic, right? Doesn't really look the part. Um, but – 
Yeah, so quick shout out to Jesse. Um, a kid that me and Roth saw Saturday afternoon, uh, Griffin Ture, uh from North Ridgeville. Uh, he had about 23, 24 points in a win over Cleveland Roads. Uh, he was a kid that I saw briefly this summer, uh, so it was nice to get like a, an extended look at him. Uh, and North Ridgeville is they're they're intriguing. Uh, I think they have the potential to give Garfield Heights a, a really competitive game in the district semi. So I'm going to go with two players that I saw over the weekend. Uh, first up, Grant Burkholder at Newark, uh, really shot the ball at a high level. Um, just kind of defines Newark basketball, you know, tough, high IQ, um, really smart player, um, has improved as a, as a shooter over the past couple of years. And he had a big game against New Albany as Newark uh, dominated them. Uh, and then I'm also going to go with Jaden Crutcher. Um, Illyria was clicking on all cylinders, shooting over 60% from the floor in their sectional championship win over Midview. Um, Crutcher, I believe, only missed two shots. Um, he is an elite shooter and did a better job of finishing around the rim. Um, Third Coast Hoops posted some highlights from that game. Um, for those of you interested in checking out Crutcher, uh, he's one of the most talented 2025 prospects in Northeast Ohio. Yeah, so... For me, uh, I did want to mention, I, I kind of forgot, I was uh, un unexpectedly uh, showed up at Columbus Academy Saturday night, uh, and they played Centerburg. I didn't really, a buddy called me and asked me if I wanted to go. I really had no clue what I was even looking at um, before going there, but Columbus Academy is a team to keep on your radar for the next two or three years. Um, almost every one of their guys are sophomores. They have a freshman named Jason Singleton, uh, whose father played at Ohio State. He's the AD at Columbus Academy. So that is a team, I think they're, I mean, they got a really good record this year. I think they've only lost a couple games. Um, but their main guys are all sophomores, and then Singleton's a freshman. Um, so they're a team to really look out for heading into the future. Um, but my player of the week, and this is kind of a homer pick, um, is Tyson Pastor of St. Clairsville. He's a sophomore. He had 29 points in their sectional championship win. Uh, they'll be going to the district. Pastor is averaging, I mean, he's got to be close to 25 a game in the second half of the season. Um, he's a kid that, you know, gets tucked away down there in eastern Ohio. Uh, he's also a wide receiver on their football team, but uh, he's a name that you're going to be hearing in the future uh, once he puts on a little bit more weight. He's about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, right now. Pedigree's there. Dad's a big guy. Mom was athletic in high school. She's about 6'1". Six six, so uh, he's, he's a kid to watch out for. 29 points uh, in a win over Beaver Local. They get Tri-Valley next um, in the district semifinals. All right, so... Let's uh, let's start with you, my man, TJ. Um, we kind of looked at some of the, you know, in the teams of the week, but um, just to kind of put a bow on the sectional from last week, um, I'll give you Northeast Ohio. Is there anything that, like, stood out to you last week um, from sectional play in Northeast Ohio? 
I think two teams that are, that are playing probably their best basketball right now, uh, I would say Akron Archbishop Hoban uh, picked up an absolutely dominant win uh, over a scrappy Maslin Washington team. They won 71 to 40. Senior guard Will Scott was phenomenal in that game. Uh, junior Jonas Nichols is one of the, the better ISO scorers in Ohio. He had a big game as well. Uh, that's a team who is probably the favorite to win that Northeast one district in division one. Uh, I think it can go um, kind of a, a plethora of ways. Uh, they'll have to, I think they have to be Glen Oak uh, and then they would have to beat the winner of uh, Menor and Ordonia. Uh, but that's a district to kind of keep an eye on. I think Hoban is playing really well. Uh, Walsh Jesuit. So they played North Canton Hoover later in the season. Uh, I was, couldn't have been much more than a month ago, uh, and they lost, I believe, by two points. Uh, they turned around and they beat North Canton Hoover this time, 62 to 37, uh, and they're kind of heading on that trajectory. Look, looks like they're going to potentially play Akron, St. Vincent, St. Mary in the district final uh, if Walsh can get past. I'm trying to think who they play. Walsh plays. Oh, it's escaping my mind. I know St. V plays Brush. Ross, do you remember who Walsh plays? Uh, I'm looking for it right now. Oh, that was... So uh, Louisville. Louisville. So, yeah, that could actually be a pretty competitive game as well. Uh, but I think a, a potential Walsh-St. V game in the district final could be one to watch. Uh, Walsh Jesuit actually beat St. V early on in the year. Um, trying to think what else. I thought Warren Howland taking Menor to the wire. I thought that was intriguing. I think men are only won by two points, 72 to 70. Uh, Glen Oak and Lake faced off for a third time this year, which was probably, uh, I would say, the best first-round game in Division One. I. I think you guys probably correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but both teams won on each other's home court during the regular season. Glen Oak played Lake at home, won 44 to 39. Uh, junior Jalen McElroy was great, had a lot of of big time plays on the defensive end. Uh, he's a two sport athlete who's seen some success playing football this year. Uh, so I think Glen Oak and Hoban in the semis is a is probably one of the better games to watch in Northeast Ohio. Now, TJ, looking forward to <clears throat> this week. Um, do you have a like a top four or five list of games that that you think are kind of a you know. A step above the rest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I mentioned that Hoban Glen Oak rematch in the semis. Uh, Brush in St. V, uh, I think, is an interesting one. Uh, they played in the regular season. I, I believe St. V handled them double digits. Um, but LA Hayes, uh, Kent State commit for St. V, has yet to play in a tournament game this postseason. So I'm not sure if he'll be back uh, by Wednesday. But if, if he's not, that's a game to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, Brush has been, you know, very much up and down this year, uh, but they have a, a ton of talent. Uh, you know, Marlon Barnes, you know, Pittsburgh commit, Tyler Williams, 6'7", senior. Uh, they have a few underclassmen who have been playing pretty well later on in the season. Uh, I think Nordonia and Menor is one to keep an eye on. I think people have kind of penciled in Hoban and Menor in that district final. But I think Nordonia is a team that can kind of shake things up. Uh, senior guard Landon Naylor, I think, is went under the radar uh, in Northeast Ohio. He's been kind of the catalyst for them. 
Uh, 5'11", strong, compact guard, uh, plays with a high motor, makes the right basketball plays. Uh, a kid who's kind of been the, the straw that stirs the drink, as Kurt Stubbs would say. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's about all I got as far as the as far as the district semis uh, and potential district finals games. Uh, in Division Four, a game that I'm actually really interested to see, and I'm hoping that it happens, uh, would be on Friday. It'd be a D four district final between Cornerstone Christian and Badger. Um, you know, assuming that both teams win. Uh, it'd be my first look at Turtle Kwasniak uh, from Cornerstone. Uh, and Badger has a junior named Duncan Moy, who's one of the more athletic kids in the area. So that game could be a lot of fun. And another sneaky one in D2, and this will be the last game I mentioned, will be Lutheran West and Akron East. So Akron East is a team that's gotten wins over Akron Bookville this year. They've beaten Maslin Jackson this year. Uh, they've, they've, had, they've beaten Ken McKinley, I believe, this year. Uh, or no, Cam McKinley won that game. Uh, but Akron East has had some really impressive wins, uh, and they play a Lutheran West team who, who has a chance to make it to Dayton. Uh, so I think I believe that'll be a competitive game in Division Two. TJ, I'm going to put you on a spot. Okay. Do you have an upset of the week in Northeast Ohio? I'm not sure how, if we can consider this much of an upset, uh, but I think just kind of strictly off of reputation and, and expectations, uh, I will go with Nordonia over Mentor. Uh, Mentor was a team that I picked actually, you know, to win that district. Uh, but my guts told me Nordonia is going to figure it out. I think they have the size to match up with Mentor. Uh, and like I said, I really like the senior guard, Landon Naylor. So I, I will go with Nordonia and a close one over Mentor. I like it. All right, Roth, I'll, uh, I'll let you tackle uh, Southwest and Central Ohio. Um, anything you wanted to close up shop on from last week? Yeah, so I had um, about two, two sentences per division. Um, starting off in Division One at Southwest Ohio, all the higher seeds advanced to the district title game, except Anderson uh, beat Mason. That, that's the only uh, lower-seeded team to make it to the district finals. Uh, so literally all chalk in D1, um, except for that, for Southwest Ohio. Uh, in D2, uh, you got a bunch of big district title game battles, um, which I'll preview uh, in my five games to watch. Um, but playoffs have been pretty quiet there, too but I think those district finals are going to be interesting. Um, in D3, uh, a game that TJ wanted all of us to know about, Preble Shawnee beats Versailles. Um, <laughs> yeah, TJ only wanted to pick Preble Shawnee to win that district out of the three of us. Um, they play Seven Hills, Kudos. Uh, who upset top-seeded Madeira. Um, so that's my upset of the week in southwest Ohio, Seven Hills over Madeira. Um, and then in D4... Uh, Tyler Galooch had a big game leading Springfield Catholic Central to the district finals. Uh, they'll play Rusha, um, who beat conference rival Botkins once again to get there. Um, and then also in another big district semifinal, Jackson Center beat Fort Lormie. Uh, with the way that the bracket shakes out for them, it, their next two games look pretty easy. So after they get past Fort Lormie, they have a pretty easy road. Uh, to the Elite Eight Regional Championship game. So got to win those two games. 
but it's looking good for Jackson Center. Um, so my five games to watch, I got Fairfield uh, versus Wayne, Muller versus Princeton, Alter versus Taft, Woodward versus Dunbar, and Chaminade Julian versus Wyoming. Uh, I think uh, all of those games are going to be uh, very competitive. A team that you just mentioned, Roth, um, I, I didn't get a chance to see a full game of them this season, uh, but I was on my way over to Fort Loramie uh, for the their MLK Classic, and I caught probably the last 12 minutes or so of Willard against Rusha. Uh, and when I walked in, I, I looked up at the scoreboard. I believe Rusha had like almost three guys that were you know hovering that 20 points in that particular game. Uh, they're a team who, I don't know, I was pretty intrigued by them. Uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see how it goes down that way, but I don't know. They they were they were impressive in the, the quick bit that I actually did get to see this year. Just a, yeah, I think uh, them and Jackson Center could be yeah. the second and third best D4 teams in the state after Richmond Heights. you got some other teams that definitely deserve a shout. Just um, a side up. note for pronunciation factor, it's Rushi. It's Rushi. Rushi, yes. Wow. Uh, although no, I thought all, it was Rusha. Yeah, they're man, they, they really went off the rails there, man. They're uh, they're all conference guys. We're all underclassmen. Um, it's a super talented group of kids. Uh, they won a state baseball. I believe they also won baseball too. Yeah, last, last spring they won state baseball. So it's a really talented group of kids. But um, you mentioned the Jackson Center Fort Laramie game. I, I wanted to mention Caleb Maurer went out with thirty points. I, he was from all reports, was incredible in that game and nearly willed them to victory in that game. But, you know, when you looked at that, Roth, that was that was one of those games where it's like, man, if, if we can escape these guys because we're playing them a third time, it's going to be probably a little bit easier the next couple rounds. Not that it's ever easy in the tournament, but, you know, when you're playing a team that's good a third time, it, it, it does matter. Absolutely. Yeah, that was all I had on uh, Southwest Ohio. Uh, Stubbs, do you want to do Northwest Ohio before I do Central? Sure. Uh, Northwest Ohio, um, there really like there really wasn't a whole lot that like went sideways. Um, you know, we we or I previewed Northwest Ohio last week, and everything that I expected to be on the table. Uh, it's still on the table. Um, I think in Division One in Northwest Ohio, I think it's interesting. You have Toledo St. John's against Finley. Uh, they split in the regular season. Both actually won at the other team's home court. Um, and then the interesting part is, is Toledo St. John's, if they played Whitmer, um, they lost to Whitmer uh, by five points both times. One of them was in overtime. And if Whit and if Finley plays Whitmer, you know they split, and both were one was a four point game, one was a five point game. So these three teams are separated by very very little. Uh, regardless, St. John's was thirteen and nine in the in the regular season, but there is not much difference between these three teams. Um, and any like, and I don't want to discount start, but any one of these three teams can advance here. There, there there's I would not be surprised. Um, D2, I think you've got two really good doubleheaders in D2, uh, Sandusky and Mansfield Sr. 
should be a good one. Uh, that was 79-74 in the regular season by way of uh, Sandusky. And then Shelby and Lexington uh, was 66-59, and that was just a couple of weeks ago uh, on Valentine's Day. Lexington won that game. Uh, we talked about Lexington and Willard last week. Um, you had one team kind of trending up and one kind of heading, you know, heading down a little bit, and that game was super close. Um, yeah, I saw that. Uh, I want to say freshman Braden Fogel uh, finished with 22 points in that game. Uh, had a really big steal and dunk, I think, that kind of sealed it. Yep. Uh, junior Max Dawson for Willard, I think he went off uh, for all, nearly 30 points in the loss. Uh, he, he's a kid who has been one of the breakout juniors for me. I know he had a really good year last year as a sophomore as well. Um, but considering who that kid has around him uh, and the fact that they've been able to compete and really stay in games, I think that says a lot about him and the coaching over there. Um, I'll actually be in attendance at Ashland on Thursday for that doubleheader. Yeah, Mad so Max. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Mad Max is a, is a really good player. I mean, he, he can score the ball, that's for sure. Um, the other doubleheader that's, uh, is the, might as well be the, the Western Buckeye League, uh, semifinals. You got St. Mary's and Van Wert. Uh, St. Mary's has won 14 straight games. Defiance and Lima Shawnee's. Lima Shawnee's a team that's, that's been playing really well lately. Um, Defiance has beat all three of these teams in the regular season by six, seven, and eight points. So, most of those games were early. So, you know, I think we all picked St. Mary's here in this district. Uh, I believe so. Um, did did St. Mary's winning streak, did that start with their their game against Lexington? Uh, it was right around that time, yep. Because um, they – and it's typical of a Hegemeyer team. Like, they, you know, they figure things out and then, you know, they start to play really well in the second half of the season. Um, but – you know, Van Wert, St. Mary's, Defiance, I could see, and again, another another district where I could see any of those three teams winning that. Uh, and then the other one in D2, Rossford and Wasion. Um I was surprised. I didn't know. I, I guess I just didn't see this. Wasion had beat them in the regular season by like 15. Um, wow. And the winner of that game will likely get Toledo Central Catholic, uh, which could be interesting. Um, let's see, D3 Northwest Ohio, um, you could potentially, you could potentially end up with Emmanuel Christian against, uh, Wayne Trace. Emmanuel Christian plays Archbold, uh, Wayne Trace gets Swanton. Uh, Swanton's had a really good season. I think they're like right around like 18 and five or something like that, 19 and five. So I think that Wayne Trace Swanton game will be pretty good. Um, I, I, you know, Archbold's been about 500 this year, a little down for their standards. Uh, so I could see Emmanuel Christian um, definitely advancing here, but uh, I think that Wayne Trace Swanton game will be pretty good. Uh, potential district final game later this week: OG and Spencerville. Um, sign me up for that. That that is a stub special right there. Um, as the lights go out. I almost said Vegas, but we're in Pickerington. The lights going out in Stubbs' room is also a Stubbs special. One, one and the same. Uh, and then uh, D4. D4, uh, I would love to see a rematch of New Bremen. 
and Marion Local. This would be the first and second place teams in the MAC. Uh, Marion Local won the first meeting by 10 back on January 13th. And then one I'm really looking forward to is the potential of Kaleida against either Convoy Crestview or Dayton or Delphi St. John's. Uh, Kaleida has won 13 straight games. Ironically, though, they did lose to both of these teams. They lost to Convoy by four and Delphi St. John's by five. So um, both close games. Uh, I'd be really interested to see a district final with Kaleida and one of those two teams to see if Kaleida could get them this time around. So that I think that uh, I think that Division Three regional in Northwest Ohio is uh, I think it's going to be pretty fun. It should be. It should be. And you know, I, I, you look at Ottawa Glendor. You know, obviously um, Toledo Emmanuel Christian considered to be one of the the favorites up there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but another team that I think is, is sneaky is uh, Cardinal Stritch. Yeah. You know, with with their length and their athleticism, they've had some really big wins this year. I believe they beat Emmanuel Christian during the regular season. Yeah, it was the only team in their league that beat them this year. So I'm going to be very, very interested to see how that turns out. And I actually might, depending on the matchups, I might make a trip to BG for that. Preston Norway, um, the favorite in the Northeast District, echoes out there as well. Roth, how about the, uh, the Central Ohio so similar to uh, North or Southwest Ohio, D1, very chalk. Uh, Hilliard-Davidson, the only team seated higher uh, than 18th that's still alive. So 16 teams left, um, and 15 out of the 16 are 18 seeds or better. Uh, Hilliard-Davidson beat 14th seed Westerville Central in double overtime. That was my upset of the week uh, in the Central uh, region. Uh, then in D2, uh, Eastmore got a big win over Bishop Hartley. They'll play Bexley, um, and the winner of that game will likely take on Bishop Reedy in the district title game. Um, D3, uh, Worthington Christian uh, was pushed by West Jefferson. They only won by three points, uh, 47 to 44. And then um, D4, uh, speaking of 47 points, Wellington freshman... Uh, Jaden Scholes scored 47 points uh, to grab Wellington's first win of the season, wow. uh, 82 to 58 in round one. Um, so they'll face Newark Catholic on Tuesday. Um, so that's a pretty big time performance by a freshman. Uh, my five games to watch: Delaware Hayes uh, versus Pickerington North, uh, Dublin Kaufman versus Owen Tangy Liberty. Uh, Westerville North versus Westerville South. That's a game I plan on attending. Hilliard Bradley versus St. Charles. That's a game Stubbs has circled on his calendar. And then Johnstown Northridge versus Harvest Prep. I think that the D3 district finals in the central uh, region should be pretty interesting. You could have Afrocentric going up against Columbus Academy. Um, And then you could also have Worthington Christian against either Harvest Prep or Johnstown Northridge. So I think any combination of those games um, is pretty interesting to look at. All right. Um, I'll wrap this section of things up with the East and Southeast. 
Um, not really much to speak of uh, in D1 for those two regions. Um, but in the East, looking forward to a potential New Philadelphia Tri-Valley um, district game. Both of these teams uh, were, if I was ranking teams last year, uh, New Philly and Tri-Valley would have been the top two in the East District, and both of them got eliminated by Meadowbrook last year. Um, Big Singleton. Yeah, last year, both of those teams, I think it was back-to-back -back games, Meadowbrook sent those two teams packing, um, which was pretty incredible. Uh, and then they nearly single, uh, he, he nearly single-handedly beat Heath uh, in the regional. Uh, but, yeah, no, no surprise he's had success at Marietta as a freshman. Yeah, very, very good, very good player. Um, but I would look forward to that. Um the Southeast, I think you got two good district matchups in D2, Washington Courthouse and New Lex, uh, and Fairfield Union and Gallia Academy. I think both of those could be very interesting. Gallia Academy didn't play until yesterday. They played uh, Circleville yesterday, uh, won that game pretty handily. Uh, D3 in the East. Um, Malvern against Westmus Kingham, I think, is interesting. Uh, a question I had written down. Did I think that Malvern challenged itself enough moving up to D3 in their out of you know in their out of conference schedule? Um, I think Westmus Kingham is battle tested. Uh, I think they are the team that's kind of slept on here in this Final Four. Um, but yeah, I would. I, what's that? I like Westmus Kingham. Uh, saw them. I think they went to the OU team camp. Yeah. Um, and Malvern does have a game against the common opponent. Because um, Malvern hosted uh, Maysville in a battle of unbeaten, so that's a common opponent between the two squads. Um, so that should be an interesting one. I like that sub. Yeah, in interesting. I mean, that's only uh, Maysville is Malvern's only loss of the season. Just a, another incredible job. Uh, you know, you lose Michael Miner last year, uh, then you had the the kids, the the big kid before that, um, and and Tucci just keeps winning there at Malvern. Um, and if it wasn't for Javon Graves ch transferring to St. V, they would have a state championship. Uh, no question about it. Uh, TJ, TJ knows. They'd have had a, yeah, they'd have had a state title. Not a, yeah, not a lot of people realize that Javon was from Malvern. Um, yep. That definitely caught me by surprise as well when I figured that out. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a hike. Um, Southeast. Uh, South Point and Fairland. Um, South Point beat Fairland twice this year, uh, but the first one was by 28. The second one was by 10, and that was at South Point. Uh, South Point's interesting. No losses to Ohio teams this year. I think they lost to Spring Valley, Huntington, and Capital Midland. Um, South Point has a really good player in that Caleb Lovely. Uh, he's averaging about 22, 23 points a game. He's a 6'3 junior guard, lefty. Um, definitely worth a see if you haven't seen him. Uh, South Point uh, is a little better than I thought they were, but Fairland is, is always a tough out at this time of the tournament. Um, but I think that'll be a really good game. And then uh, a potential Minford-Lucasville Valley game. Uh, Valley lost uh, to Minford by four and five points this year in their two meetings. And that is Stubbs' upset special of the week. I'm going to take Lucasville Valley to upend Mike Ross, Midford squad. Um, well, they got they got to get by North Adams um, in a battle between 
uh, two of the most talented 2024 kids in Southeast Ohio, Branson Kopass uh, and Jace Copley. So um, tough game for Lucasville Valley to get there. But if they do, um, I plan on being in attendance on Sunday for the potential third battle between Minford and Lucasville Valley. Um, and then we got the D4 East District and the D4 South East District, but we're going to take a break real quick. And I'll finish that up, and then we'll get to some buy or sell. All right, and we are back. I'm going to finish up uh, the East District, Southeast District, and Division Four. Um, I think most people uh, have felt this way most of the season, that we would probably see River and Highland in the uh Division Four District Final. That's no disrespect to Caldwell or Strasburg, who is still remaining. Um, but uh, I just think we're headed for a River Highland um, District Final. And I was thinking about something, fellas, uh, when I was looking at this game. No one in the state of Ohio has benefited more from a regional change than Highland. Highland played uh, in the Canton Regional um, until 2017. So they, when they'd win their district, they'd have to go to the Fieldhouse and, and play in that regional up there at the Canton Fieldhouse. Starting in 2018, uh, they moved in with the Southeast and the Central, and it has been glorious for Mark Schleyball and the Hawks. 2018, state semis. 2019 state finals 2020 they were in the regional final before the tournament ended um 2021 regional final lost to new boston uh and then 2022 state semis an incredible run from the hawks uh since they uh, moved regions um and, and again it you know, they, they won back-to-back -back state titles coming out of that Canton Regional back in 11 and 12. Um, but that was, uh, for a place like Highland, um, they're always going to have basketball kids, but those were like once in a lifetime uh, when you had Dylan Kaufman, Seeger Bonifant, and um, the other kid that was about 6'7". Uh, I think he went to Malone. Uh, he was a he was a nice piece to that team as well. And then, you know, two really solid guards, but you know, when you get that kind of size in D four, uh, especially kids that can actually play, um, that's going to be a problem. And it was, but yeah, I think, I mean, I think Seeger won division two national player of the year at West Liberty. Yes. Uh, he's what the, the AD there now at, at Highland. Yeah. Yep. It's awesome. Yeah. And you know, um, Seeger, Seeger played his first two years at Strasburg, uh, so don't don't let them uh, don't don't ever let them forget that um, when they go on their their rants about having to play the the Richmond Heights of the world, okay? Um, because in 2012, without Seeger Bonifant, they aren't they aren't state champs because uh, at the Canton Fieldhouse he buried a left corner triple against Richmond Heights. That sent them packing, if you remember, TJ. Yep, I do. So, yeah, I just, I just, you know, some people have short memories. And it, sometimes you got to re remind them uh, of things. But 
anyway, that's a story for another day. Uh, Southeast Ohio, Roth country. Leesburg Fairfield against Latham Western. Um, I don't have this as an upset, but I do have Fairfield on upset alert. Uh, Western uh, definitely recently has been really successful in the tournament. Um, they haven't had as good of a season this year, but you know I think they got 14 or 15 wins, uh, and they're dangerous. So Fairfield, you know, coming in with that unbeaten record, target on their back. I got them on upset alert. Uh, and then uh, Federal Hawking against possibly South Webster or Portsmouth Notre Dame. I didn't realize that Portsmouth Notre Dame was 18-5. and five. Um, They did lose to South Webster 39-36 in the regular season, so that should be a good rematch. Uh, and the winner will probably get, probably get Federal Hawking. Um, so that is the East and the Southeast. Hopefully we covered some quality information for you guys. Um, we're going to jump to buy and sell, man. I just threw this on Twitter this morning because I didn't really have anything and I, I didn't expect, I mean, there was a, there was a large contingent of, of buy or sells on there when I looked at it later in the day. Um, the first one is this, a Northwest Ohio team would win D4 if not for Richmond Heights. I'm going to sell, um, I think if it's not for Richmond Heights, I think Babe Kwasniak is cutting down on the Nets. Uh, and that's a and that's a regional semis game, the uh, potential potential semifinal game that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, of course, Babe uh, has been texting me all week. Uh, he sent me an interesting stat though. In his career in the postseason, uh, he is 37 and 0 in district semis and regional semi games. That's unbelievable. But yeah, I would sell on that. I would say I, I I believe Cornerstone Christian is the second best division four team in the state of Ohio. Roth? Um yeah, I think I'm also gonna sell on that. I, I think it it would be interesting to see because Cornerstone would be one of the top contenders. Um, then from Northwest Ohio, you know, you got your Marion Locals, New Bremen, um, Antwerp, Toledo Christian, Patrick Henry, um, Kaleida, Convoy Crestview. Um, but I think, you know, Southwest, we talked about Jackson Center. We talked about Rushi, um, Leesburg Fairfield as well, River Highland. I think just based on the numbers, I, I would take the field over the Northwest regional champion. Um, if you took out Richmond Heights. Um, so yeah, interesting question though. Um, I think most years generally Northwest Ohio has the toughest regional in division four, um, for sure, just in depth and amount of quality teams. I think you guys both hit great points. Um, I would def I, I would sell on this as well. I think Northwest Ohio, maybe from a depth standpoint, um, if you had like to take a bunch of teams, uh, you know, I think that would be uh, where you would go. But um, I like the Cornerstone one, um, but I would sell because of Jackson Center or Rushi. Um, I just think Jackson Center 
Um, let's say that Richmond Heights was not in D4, uh, and we got Jackson Center against um, uh, Cornerstone. I think Jackson Center would make it really hard on Kwasniak. Um, they, they really lock in on the defensive end, and it's really hard to beat five seniors that are, are very good. Um, three of those guys are first or second team all-conference guys and are in a really good league. Um, I just think they got size, you know, like not, not six, seven, six, eight, but they got big bodies, um, you know, like your typical, like I know there's Southwest region, but the typical Northwest Ohio bodies. Uh, I just think they'd make it really tough on Cornerstone. Um, but Cornerstone, Richmond Heights, <laughs> That, if that game happens, I mean, you better get that scoreboard ready because no, shots are going to be going up fast and furious. Uh, and like I said, Babe will have his best pair of shoes on for that one. Uh, I'm trying to think of when. I think that would be – Is that a regional semi? Is, yeah, that would be March is 7th. That? Yeah. Yeah, that should be at the Canton Fieldhouse, but <clears> – Yep. It is, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Um, all right, second yep. one. Ottawa Glandorf takes the D3 title after finishing runner-up a year ago. Oh, I would... I would say sell. Uh, I, I believe that Ottawa Glandorf is absolutely in contention uh, to win it all. Um, I think just the, the length and athleticism of a Lutheran East, uh, especially on the perimeter, will give them trouble. Uh, when I watched Ottawa Glendorf against Lutheran West, uh, I thought the pressure kind of got to them a little bit. Uh, it, it didn't help that Colin White probably played his worst game in a Titans uniform, um, but I just think the length and athleticism uh, and just kind of grit of, of Lutheran East would be a, a little bit too much for Ottawa Glendorf. Um, and they have, I mean, in Division Three, they might have the toughest road to get out, right? I, I mean, I like you said, they, they have to play uh, Spencerville. Then they potentially have to play uh, a Toledo Emmanuel Christian, who is almost as, as talented as any team in Division Three. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, I mean, they, they, yeah, they have no easy road. Uh, so I, I would sell on that. Um, I, I still think Lutheran East is the, the heavy favorite. Uh, but it could go uh, a number of ways. Yeah, I agree. I'm also selling this. Yeah, OG is going to have to go. They could potentially have a run of Spencerville, Cardinal Stritch, Emmanuel Christian just to get to the Final Four. And then when they get there, um, they would likely be met by Afrocentric and then potentially Lutheran East. Um, so that's just a really brutal road. Um, that's Scotland. Yeah, if if they win a state title, they will have earned uh, earned that trophy. Um, but yeah, we all took different, uh, or none of us picked Emmanuel or Ottawa Glendorf. I picked Emmanuel Christian. You guys picked Lutheran East. I'm um, in D three. So yeah, definitely capable of doing it, but going to be tough. Yeah, I think I think it's a seller's market here right now. Um, I 
I really love Colin White. I, I think he's the, if not the most, one of the most competitive guys in Ohio. Um, he seems to rise to the occasion in these type of, you know, winner go home type games. I still remember last year when he threw that dunk down against Taft, looking down and TJ was like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and they played a classic uh, with heart, with uh, Afrocentric last year in the semifinal. Uh, that game certainly could have went Afrocentric's way. Um, you know, I just think, you know, it's going to be really tough. Uh, they got a tough road, like you guys said, and then, you know, you get there and you're probably going to have to beat a combination of Lutheran East and Afrocentric um, to to win it. Uh, and that's that's not going to be an easy task. So uh, the odds are against them, um, but, uh, you know, they're certainly one of the teams that can win it. Hey, Stubbs, gun to your head, give me two or three state tournament games from the last five or so years that they kind of immediately come to your mind um well there's a couple for me well um one i mean for obvious reasons was the 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 closer last year uh central and centerville i think it had everything I think it had everything you wanted. You had the, you had the monster from ten miles away with the unbeaten streak, and then you had the, you know, the Ohio State, well, would be Ohio State basketball commit, and you had Sonny Styles, who, you know, everybody in the state loves because he's going to go play for the Buckeyes for football, and he was just a, I mean, just an absolute freak. Uh, I think that had everything you wanted. Um, that would that'd be one of the games that, that jump out to me. Um, the Marion local cornerstone, cornerstone game. Absolutely. That um, was, that's one of mine as well. You know, just, just the, the, the hero of that game, Tyler Mesher, um, you know, more of a football guy, uh, you know, unfortunate passing uh, of him last year. But uh, that, that is one that jumped out to me. Um, those are probably the two that... I would say a, a close... That, that's probably my top two as well. I would say a very, very close third is a game I, I believe all three of us were in attendance for. And that was that, uh, that Trotwood-Madison-Columbus-South game. Oh, yeah. That, Fantastic. That was, that was about as exciting as a non-Division one game as I've seen. Yeah, that was uh, Fantastic. And, so that, that would be my top three games I believe I've seen and down at the Final Four in the last, you know, since I've been going, um, which I believe, like, as a member of the media was 2016. Yeah, do you guys happen to remember the um, – this is just a random moment from a random game. It was Sheridan against Columbus South in the semifinal. And wasn't there. I know what you're talking and about. And I'm that. trying to remember a guy made a shot from – on the like laying on the floor yeah he was sitting <laughs> he was sitting down and made yeah. a shot he was in the corner right yeah and I, yeah i was like that's incredible but it's like something out of a disney movie yeah like this is a play that you just wouldn't expect to to ever happen in a real game 
But you mentioned that South Trotwood game. That's one of those games you wish you could have run back like 10 times. It was just fun. Like, it was, it was just a fun, like, basketball game. Like, guys are getting up and down the court, uh, scoring. You know, it, it was just fun. It was a really fun basketball game. Um, and uh, Rocky finally got his his trophy uh, after uh, Drew left to go to D1 that year, I believe. So, um all right, uh, this one, I, I don't know. Uh, boys basketball attorney will be in Dayton for the next 10 years. Uh, man, I don't even know what's going to happen in the next 10 days. Um, I mean... I, I would sell just, just solely off the fact that 10 years is a long time. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe the, the contract is through this year and next year. If I'm not mistaken, I believe it was a four-year deal. Um, so I, I do think it will probably get renewed, uh, just based off of what I've heard about Ohio state. And, um, based on what I was told, it, Ohio state kind of looked at the, the state tournament almost like an inconvenience, like, uh, just wasn't much of a return on their investment. Um, so I, I do think it will be in Dayton for at least another five to six years. Uh, but I think after that, like, like you said, who knows? Yeah, Ohio State's definitely hurting I'll say, for money. I'll say bye because nobody's going to come back in eight years to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> the, the, speaking of uh, UD Arena, though, uh, I will say this. I, I think as far as just a pure basketball standpoint, I, I love UD Arena. Um, I, I think that the Schottenstein, you know, the shot was a, almost too big. Uh, you know, unless you got a – you know, an OJ Mayo type of guy. I mean, you're, it's it's very very tough to to really pack that thing and, and get a good environment. Uh, whereas I thought that Peak Central Centerville game that was I thought that was a lot of fun and it, it felt just like more of a a high intensity basketball game. I felt like the shot at times could almost feel like a, a funeral. Uh, yeah. It was just too big. Um, but I will say that the fact that the UD Arena that that it sits on an island. Uh, you have to drive to the you have to drive to the arena, then you have to drive out of the arena, try and find somewhere to go, and then come back. Uh, whereas you know the shot, everything was kind of more walkable. You know, you go to the varsity club, you could go here, you could go there, and then come back to the games. Uh, I think from a fans standpoint, I, I think that's kind of the the major difference based on what a lot of friends and uh, colleagues have kind of brought up to me uh, in terms no, of the tournament. We no bias here. But if you want walkable in a 10,000-seat arena, there's this guy. There's a convocation center in Athens <laughs> that is walkable to many bars and restaurants. So all I hear is TJ says there's a lot of positives for everybody to come to Athens, Ohio for the state championship games. Good luck. Yeah, good luck with the parking. Um I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes for the Columbus D1 regional final. I'm expecting rave reviews. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, actually. Um, so that's about what? Like an hour and a half drive, right? For downtown Columbus to, to Athens, is it, it's about an hour and a half drive, right? No. Yeah, hour well, I mean, hour, it depends on, where you're, depends on where you're at. Like right. where, where I'm at, like right off 33. I mean, I can probably get to Athens in 50 minutes. Um, 
especially with, with the bypass in Lancaster and the bypass in Nelsonville. That, but, but then you got to look at Olin Tangy Orange or Olin Tangy Liberty, the yeah. second and third seed. It's hour 35, hour 40 from there because they're 15, 20 miles north of Columbus. Yep. Well, that'll be Hayes, so you know they won't have to. They won't have to worry about that. That trip. Well, Hayes. I mean, Hayes would be a pretty, pretty far trip as well. So Hayes is even further north, Stubbs. Yeah, that's what I was saying. But you mentioned Orange. I think uh, speaking of Hayes, though, I, I think Hayes does have a, a legitimate chance to beat Pick North. Uh, I think that you could see Delaware Hayes in the district finals. Oh. All right. Uh, this one came from our boy Matt Gould. The, I'm trying to see how he puts this. It says, the weight statistics should carry by themselves for determining all Ohio and all district teams. So, yeah, this is a conversation I feel like me and Matt have about every year. Um, my issue with the, the all-district and the all-Ohio teams, they're basically kind of one and the same, right? If you're not nominated for first-team all-district, I believe you can't make any of the first three or the either of the all-Ohio teams. Is that is that what you guys have heard as well? What, what was the last part there? So I, I believe if you're not voted as first-team all-district, then you cannot be first or second-team all-Ohio. Uh, I believe that is correct. So my, my biggest... Uh, I guess kind of complaint as far as the way that selection process goes is I don't believe there's much of a, a criteria. Um, I, I would love to, to be a part of those conversations uh, just to, to kind of hear some of the logic when guys get picked. Um, but I think a lot of it does unfortunately have to do with points per game uh, and it shouldn't. Um, this, like I said, I was talking with, to, to Matt Gould earlier today. Um, when you look at a kid averaging 20 points per game in the, the LEL, you know, a very up-tempo, fast-paced conference versus a kid averaging 20 a game in the OCC. Those are two completely different 20 points per game. You know, I, I don't think uh, strength of schedule is very much factored into that conversation. Um, the level of competition, I think, is something that's oftentimes overlooked as well. Uh, so I think there's just a lot of things that go into that that – quite frankly, get overlooked. Uh, and I think another one of the issues is when they, they have these meetings, right, for the, the selection process, the guys, and this is no shade to anyone who works for the paper or for certain websites or anything, but those guys have a coverage area, right? If you work for the News Herald or if you work for Cleveland.com or if you work for the Akron Beacon Journal or the Canton Repository, you have a certain county or maybe two counties that you cover. So what happens is a lot of these writers come into these selection process and they just lobby for the kids that play in their area. Then it just becomes yeah. a debate between, oh, this guy is better than this guy. Well, you guys are debating kids that you, you've never seen in person. Right. You know, outside of maybe a, a huddle clip, you, you've never watched them. You're not familiar with the teams they play against. And I mean, I could go on and on uh, about that whole process. Um, but yeah, it's certainly flawed. And I think points per game is just kind of the, the easy way out for a lot of voters. Yeah, I think TJ brought up the two main points that I like. Um, he first mentioned pace of play, which determines how many points per game, and like competition levels. Uh, like TJ mentioned, uh, 
between the LEL and uh, the OCC. But in the smaller divisions, uh, you're looking at what kids do against really tough schedules. Like if you're on like a Lutheran East and you're playing really tough teams versus if you're in like no shade, but the Chagrin Valley Conference, like it's just different of like 25 points a game in the CVC is not as difficult as if you're scoring 16 points a game for Lutheran East going up against Ignatius at St. V, Combine Academy, whoever. Um, so yeah, I, I think that TJ brings up a bunch of bunch of good points there. Um, and yeah, there's uh, it's it's a, it's a tough process, but yeah, it's uh, every year there's a couple selections um, where I, I think kids that don't score that many points per game get left way too low. Um, a dude who wore the purple and white last year comes to mind. I believe you're referencing. Oh that. yeah, Sonny, Sonny Styles. He he didn't make first or second team all district, did he? Yeah, I mean um, it was something like that. He I know he yeah. wasn't on first team. I don't remember if he no, missed I don't, second. I don't team. think he was on second. I'm not sure he was on. Um, <laughs> like, I think me, he only like, made like the lowest all Ohio team. Like to me, that's that's oh, that's unbelievable. Uh, I think Sonny Styles was arguably the most impactful player in Ohio last year, uh, yeah. just in terms of what he did defensively, uh, how I think a very underrated aspect of his game was how well he passed it. Uh, but these are necessarily things that you're not going to see, uh, you know, in, in a box score, you're not going to see those kind of plays. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a flawed system. I don't think there's a, a perfect solution. Uh, it's just kind of me spitballing and going on a, a little rant. Yeah, I think the one thing that makes it difficult in high school, it's not like college where you can, you know, go on ESPN.com or something and click on every single team and pull up, you know, their shooting percentages and, you know, every stat that you want. High school, geez, it's hard to even get accurate final scores on these teams. The rosters, um, let alone stats. Rosters, uh, which is – Absolutely ridiculous uh, in 2023 for that to be the case um, with the technology we have. And I would like to think at every school there is somebody competent enough to upload an accurate roster. I mean, and I'm not even asking for stats. I'm asking for accurate scores and an accurate roster. That's it. Um, my, my whole thing that, that I, when it comes to this conversation, is if you look at every major conference in Southwest Ohio, they all have their own individual website. They all have box scores. They have season box scores. They have game box scores. They have yep. wins, losses. They have stat leaders. They have full schedules for every team. I'm like, if Southwest Ohio can do this for a dozen or so conferences, uh, I, I don't think there's any excuse as to why the rest of the state cannot policy and i and I'll, I'll leave it at that all right uh got a couple more here uh this one says does easier does an easier path benefit teams in later rounds a absolutely uh i, I think <laughs> at this point if you're, if you're not battle tested by now i think that that's kind of you know by your own doing um but i, I would much rather have an easier road 
Uh, I would if I I'd be happy if I'm Lutheran East. I'd be you know tying my shoes tight if I'm out of Glendale. It's uh, kind of something you know we talked about earlier. Um, but yeah, at this point, I think you will want an easier road, right? Like I feel like that's the reason why you schedule the way that you do in the regular season, uh, and you kind of go through that that grind. That way, it can pay off in the postseason by having a you know easier easier path there. Yeah, TJ, I wish I could disagree with you and argue with you, but I can't. Yeah, it's, that's fair. I don't think anyone's ever went into the postseason and said, hey, man, I want to play the tough. Make it tough. Make it harder for me. Yeah. What do we got here next? Um, I'm guessing I'm guessing this is like event forecasting. Eventually – uh, a minimum number of wins or some other sort of qualification will be required to play in postseason for hoops. Oh, I, I wish this was the case. Um, so one thing that I've been doing on my website for the last couple of years is I have like a day by day schedule of all four divisions. Um, and it is it's unbelievable each night how I have to go through and, you know, type up all these final scores and, and search Twitter or Yappy or the OHSA bracket, you know, whatever. Uh, but some of the scores that you see in the sectional semis and the sectional finals, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, there's a team, um, it was like 65 to 18 in the sectional final. Like, I, I'm sorry, but that, that shouldn't happen. You know, they're very, very special cases. But the fact that you can just scroll through the, the results on my website and just see so many 30 to 40 point wins mm-hmm. in those first two rounds, I, I think something's got to change because at that point, we're just kind of wasting our time. Yeah, I would I would not mind um, having like eight teams per district. Like some districts have like 12 teams, others like of like 16, 17, I wouldn't mind if like the top eight based on like coaches voting, Martin RPI or a wins requirement, I, I wouldn't mind that at all. I agree. A um, couple things I would think of from the other side of it. Uh, one, you probably won't see this just because you can get rid of these teams in less than a week. Um, and yeah, much, so- different than, much different than football. So and two, one one thing that you will you will probably see less of if that happened is aggressive scheduling, because um, a lot of the mid level teams are going to start scheduling for wins uh, to get in the tournament instead of uh, you know in basketball you kind of just can you know schedule freely not having to worry about not making the postseason. So those are just some other sides of the story to that. You could also yeah. require the top seeds to take a bye. So, like, teams like Pick Central, Volantangi uh, Liberty, Westerville North, they all didn't take a bye, and they had, like, two of those really lopsided playoff games. Yeah. If you force those teams to take a bye, then the two teams that they beat would play each other in round one. So you'd have one competitive game and then one blowout for the top seed instead of two blowouts for the top seed. Yes. That would be one way to make it a little more competitive. It's just to make the top seeds. You got to take a bye. Yeah, you get a Westland against West instead of 
pick central, pick central against Brisbane. both of those teams. Um, yeah, I think that that would make a lot of sense. Um, last, uh, OHSAA will add one to two more divisions for basketball, uh, similar to football within the next few years. I would sell, um, quite frankly, because I, I think the, the thought of the OHSA having to extend the tournament, um, and, you know, the state tournament would probably, I would assume it would probably have to be four days then, right, instead of the three that it is now. Uh, and unfortunately, basketball is just not a high priority here in Ohio. Uh, I, I think outside of, you know, the Dayton area and a lot of places in northwest Ohio, uh, I don't think there's, I don't think there's enough of a following for basketball to justify the OHSA. Uh, kind of jumping through hoops to to make things better and easier. Uh, and so I was talking to somebody out in Northwest Ohio, I forget who it was, uh, but we were talking about just like the culture of Northwest Ohio and the culture of like that Dayton area versus the, the Central Ohio and Northeast Ohio, uh, where I would say on a, on a normal basis, right, Columbus, Cleveland, typically the two most talented teams or two most talented areas in Ohio, I would say, you know, it's a site, you know, sometimes it cycles, you know, whatever. But on average, those two regions to me are probably the most talented. And I think they have the least amount of casual basketball fanatics. Uh, and I think it's it's interesting when you look at Northwest Ohio and Dayton, two cities that are relatively close to Indiana. So it's like the closer you get to Indiana, it's like the more people start to care about basketball. And I thought that was a very kind of interesting correlation that I never really thought of before. Yeah, I, I think I uh, proposed this a couple episodes ago, maybe making D1 a little smaller and then conversely making D2, D3, and D4 a little bigger um, instead of adding an extra division might make sense um, because I think the only area where like the tournament might seem a little lopsided are those really small D1 schools against those really, really large D1 schools. Um, so that, that might be a solution, but I don't, I think TJ brings up a good point. It would be basically impossible to get through five divisions in three days at the state tournament level. Yeah. You would have to, you would have to see if the, uh, you know, if the payoff of having that extra day, um, would be worth um, the rent that you're going to be charged uh, for the arena to see if, if it's going to be worth uh, that extra day. And if it's not, you know, I think you have to probably to pass on that. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, it, it still costs money to run these things. And, you know, I, I think yeah. I think people around the state often forget, like, you know, why don't they just have it back at Ohio State? Well, one, Ohio State charged them out of, you know, the, the rent for that they were charging them was, you know, ridiculous, um, especially for uh, a university that's certainly not hurting for money. Um, and again, that's a that's a story for another day. But, uh, you know, it does cost money to to rent these arenas. They're not giving them to you for free. Uh, just because you're the Ohio High School Athletic Association. So um, you do have do to make... Guys, 
What's that? Do you guys think that the, the OHSA probably loses money running some of these other, you know, tournaments? Absolutely. And then, and then they recoup it with uh, the state football tournament? Absolutely. Always, that was kind of always my, my thought. is like, hey, we're going to use the money from the, the football tournament to kind of – for soccer, cross country. To do our best to get by, right. And I think basketball is probably second to football. But yeah. I think there's probably a pretty significant gap uh, in terms of attendance in, in football here in Ohio versus basketball. Um, two more we're going to hit really quick. Uh, this one was basically saying – uh, do you think a better scenario for district week would be to have two of the district games as a doubleheader on Wednesday and then two of the district games as a doubleheader on Thursday and then uh, the finals on Saturday at 2? Uh, as far as Northeast Ohio goes, I mean, I, I, our district tournament is pretty disappointing uh, in terms of the schedule. Uh, the fact that all we I think we have six district final games in Division One. They're all at two o'clock, so it's like, hey, good luck catching more than one of those, right? Um, so I'm all for double headers, triple headers, quadruple headers. Uh, I think it's very feasible, uh, and for some reason we just refuse to do it here in Northeast Ohio. So yeah, I complained about this um, on a. Uh... NEO zones when he tweeted out the schedules for the D1 districts it makes no sense why they're playing the first semifinal 7 p.m. on Wednesday and the second semifinal 7 p.m. on Thursday it would make way more sense to have half of them on Wednesday do the two semifinals at 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. and then do the other half on Thursday at 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. Um, it would also benefit the concession stand workers, because they wouldn't have to show up back-to-back -back days. They would only have to show up one day. Same thing goes for the athletic directors, the trainers, the security at the event. Um, so I think there's like a lot of benefits to hosting it back to to hosting double headers, which a majority of the rest of the state does. Like me and TJ are going to a double header at Toledo. TJ setting up a double header in Ashley. There's a reason why. None of us are going to games in like Northeast Ohio D1 this week because we can just get more basketball at other places. And there's no reason why we shouldn't just be staying in Northeast Ohio. But if you can only see one game per night, it doesn't make as much sense. All right. Well, we got about a minute left. So we're going to quickly answer this last one. Uh, and this is this is my question. What AP number one team has the best chance of losing during district week? Uh, Centerville, Reedy, OG, and Memphis were tied, uh, or Richmond Heights? Uh, I, I would say you can probably immediately take Centerville and Richmond Heights off of that list. Uh, so then you're looking at, you know, Reedy, Ottawa, Glendorf, or Minford. Um I would say the most likely team to lose this week would be Roth. Don't don't hurt me, but I'm going to go with Minford. I don't disagree. Um, Got like about they have thirty a team seconds in their conference. That's tough. That they beat twice by less than five points. Uh, but I also like OG is going to have a tough game against Spencerville or Liberty Benton. Um, but yeah, I, I think those two are the only two that you can realistically put 
on upset watch. I feel pretty good about Centerville, Reedy, and Richmond Heights advancing past their district. I think it's Menford as well. Um, I do think they'll get beat this week. For Mike Roth, DJ Petros. Thank <laughs> you.